is the Southern Spectre Podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm Isaiah. I'm Lexi. Lexi, how are you today? I'm great. How are you today? Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's cold weather Excellent. here finally. Uh, yeah, it. happy legitimate <laughs> new year. I know the last time we talked, we were talking about the new year, but it wasn't the new year yet. Happy Not, new officially. Year. No, Not officially. Not officially. Yeah. And so we're here. We, we Last year, I mean last year. Yeah, last year we talked about <laughs> our diets. And um, yeah, I'm in pretty much day three of mine. And um, I'm about ready to pull my hair out. Oh, no. Yeah, I grew my hair out just for that. So. I was about to say, I didn't think you had hair. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I don't. your beard out? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's pain. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling through the first few days, probably the first week, which you're bound to do. So I'm oh, just yeah. hanging in there. So you uh, decided on keto, right? I did. I did okay. decide on keto. Uh, I, I have you. been making... Uh, trying to make good health decisions, you know, smarter choices, but, uh, it's hard to do that sometimes, especially when I have a leftover box of little Debbie Christmas tree cakes standing in front of me. No, you know, I have been seeing those. I think we talked a while back about how there was a shortage of them. They were hard to find. I finally did find them, uh, but I did not buy any this year and I'm so proud of myself. Well, good. That's good. Yeah. Cause they're, they're evil. So they're evil. They're wonderful, but they're evil. But the Valentine cakes are going to come out pretty soon, and yeah. my life's just going to be screwed. <laughs> I can't turn uh, those down. I agree. They, you know, little Debbie. You can't. You can't go wrong. No. Um. So, guys, on today's show, we're going to be discussing some paranormal in cinema and the strange events that occurred when the camera stops rolling. But first, uh, 2021, the last day of the year, uh, took something quite precious to all of us. Uh, Miss Betty White, uh, absolutely. Thank you for being a friend. I mean, you know, the, the number of times I could, I can recall, uh, just nothing good on TV. You turn on the golden girls or you can stream the golden girls now. And it's just one of those things you just can never get enough of. It's, um, it's a great show. It still holds up today. The comedy is still relevant and it's just, it's just great, just great acting. And I've noticed here recently that, uh, I noticed, I hate to do this, but I noticed on TikTok people are comparing the golden girls to the sex in the city ladies. I've seen that. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not too happy about it. No, I'm not either. And the reason being is because, you know, they were saying, you know, how much the Golden Girls look so much older. Right. And then even though they're the same age, you know, I'm like, okay, well, put these Sex in the City ladies in a retirement home then. Exactly. And it was (laughs) also, what, 35 years ago. Styles were different. Clothes were different. Exactly. Now, now somebody mentioned it was the hair. I can see that. Uh, But on the same hand, uh, those ladies, the Golden Girls, they had class. They weren't golden just for nothing. (laughs) They were they were legitimately golden. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, yeah, I I absolutely adore. Yeah, I I adore each and every one of them. And so, but yeah, thank you for being a friend, Miss Betty White. We absolutely enjoyed your time here. 
And uh, now moving on to a new section of the show, or a new segment of the show, is something I like to call the Southern Dictionary. Now, I have this book, and it is entitled, let's see here, let me get a better look at it. It's called S is for Southern, and it's a guide to the South from Absent to Zedeco. And it is by the editors of Garden and Gun. Now, if you don't know, Garden and Gun is a uh, quite popular magazine here in the South. You also have the, the, yeah, the South magazine itself, which is uh, published out of Savannah, Georgia. And Garden and Gun actually hails from Charleston. Right in your backyard. Yeah, right in the backyard. So uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Garden and Gun, you know, I love some of their articles and the things that they bring to each issue, but they got hoity-toity taste. I'll be yeah. honest with you. I, they really do. Uh, a lot of things I hadn't heard of. Like I said, the, the, the magazine itself is quite educational and can be. It can be funny. It can be reminiscent and... Uh, turn you on to some great food um but yeah even some great music but it's very hoity-toity especially yeah. some of the product <laughs> products and stuff that they yeah. advertise it's just you know you know when you publish an article that says uh christmas gifts for your neighbor under 350 dollars oh man, wow right? <laughs> yeah it's gonna have to be a lot under 350 yeah yeah uh we don't we don't do that around here ma'am I mean, my mom is really nice. She gives little gifts to her neighbors. I know one of my neighbors, and I've lived on the block for 11 years. <laughs> so, I mean, shows no you what offense. kind of neighbor I am. I, I, me too. I mean, I, I like my neighbors. I speak with my neighbors and uh, so on and so forth. But on the same hand, I mean, it's, that's just a lot of money to shell out at Christmas yeah. time, you know, like that. And but anyway, uh, the word that I'm going to share with you today, it just this is just going to help you guys that are unfamiliar with the South, uh, maybe kind of acclimate yourself here. So, Lexi, I don't know if we actually discussed this once before. I don't even recall if I've actually discussed this on the show. But the word comes from the H section of the dictionary, and it is hash. Um, now we're talking barbecue hash. We're not talking corned beef hash. Uh, now what I mean by barbecue hash is when you prepare, especially when you're doing whole hog barbecue, and that is exactly what it sounds like is cooking the whole hog, uh, not just the Boston butt or pork shoulders or whatever. Uh, you have hash and hash is a it, you know everybody around here you the circle area for or the the region where hash is made it seems like it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller every year uh, because that is something that is you know native to South Carolina um, really? there, yeah there's not a whole lot of places outside of South Carolina that really makes this uh, if there is, I'd love to know about it. Um, so, for example, when you cook a hog, you have a lot of leftover parts, meat. And there's a lot of things that go inside hash. Now, I promise you, this is nothing on the verge of, you know, 
poorly made hot dogs, uh, <laughs> spam, or, you know, anything, Vienna sausages. It's nothing okay. like anything like that. <laughs> this is actual good stuff. Don't worry about what's good in it. Just, just, just know it. that it is sometimes better than the barbecue itself. Wow. Uh, yeah. Very good stuff. And, uh, yeah, that is, I absolutely love hash. And to me, a barbecue dinner is not complete without hash. Is it you add stuff to it or is it just the meat? Um, you actually add stuff to it. Basically, what you're okay. doing is you're taking uh, the meat that's left over. You're boiling it down uh, almost like a Brunswick stew from Georgia or a I've actually I think it's Alabama that has the burgoo. Uh, but what it is, is you're boiling it down. You may add some potatoes or uh, maybe some other vegetables in there, some spices, and you slow uh, boil it down until it becomes like a gravy, but it's almost too thick for gravy. Um, it's not a sauce. It's more, I don't, the, the closest consistency is gravy in my opinion. Uh, right. But like I said, different places have different recipes. There's one place around here that actually, uh, it, it looks like pulled pork on top of the rice with other seasonings and stuff on it. Uh, but it's very thick. It's very stringy, but it's really good. Uh, good. But most of most of them around here, they're like a they're like a it looks like an orange slash brown looking gravy. But I promise you, it tastes so much better than what it looks. And uh, once you've had it, you you don't want anything else. I'm telling you, I absolutely love hash and rice. I have to say, I I've never heard something like that called hash. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know it was a thing. So, but it makes sense. You said it's very regional. So, no wonder. It, it, yeah, it's something I grew up on. A lot of folks around here grew up on. Uh, but, yeah, it's really good. Really good stuff. Uh, so, if you're ever in South Carolina, definitely check out our barbecue scene and try hey. to find a place that's got some bar uh, barbecue hash for you because it, it's great. Is it pretty easy to find? Like, your run-of-the-mill barbecue joint, are they going to have hash? Um, depends on where you go. Like in my area here, yes, I can go less than a mile down the road from where I'm at now and I can get hash. Uh, but I know that that hash is not going to be as good if I go 35 minutes down the opposite sure. direction. Uh, so, you know, once again, like with most things, you're going to have different versions that are better than the others. Um, but like you get around Charleston area, there's not a whole lot of barbecue places down that way that actually have hash or serve hash. Um, it's too big city there. Yeah, almost. <laughs> it's just, I think really what it is, is that people don't have the time or the resources to really pour into it because it is a time consuming process. Yeah. It sounds like it. I mean, cause you cook the meat and then you cook it again for the hash. Yeah, you, you're cooking it down is what it is what it is. So you're you're cooking it down to uh pretty good, but I promise you it's definitely worth it. Good stuff. That's another one to add to my must eat list. I'm up to <laughs> is it sushi, hibachi, and now South Carolina hash. That's right. Okay. I need yeah, to, so next time I need to you start guys, making notes. <laughs> next time you guys travel this way, you'll have to hunt for some uh South Carolina hash. I will definitely do that. And if you're lucky, I mean, you might be able to find it in the store. They actually sell some of it in the store. Really? Um, mm -hmm. Like just all, the meat or with the uh, other it, stuff put in it? 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's everything already. It's all ready to go. All you got to do is take it home and heat it up in a saucepan or heat it up in the microwave. Uh, most of the time, hash is served over rice. So Okay. Good to But, know. yeah. Now, see, me personally, I like to uh, salt, a little bit of salt, a little bit more pepper, and uh, most uh, local barbecue joints around here, you will find some sort of sauce or pepper. Uh, like a Texas Pete uh, pepper vinegar sauce on the table. And I will, I will douse that on there as well, just to kind of kick it up a little bit. Very good stuff though. I'm going to tell you, if we're going to continue these food segments <laughs> in the show, both of our diets are going to be out the window. You are right. Cause I'm, I'm starving as <laughs> You're it like, is. Oh man, I now want some meat and rice and gravy. I can have pork skin. So mm, yeah. Do you like guacamole? Uh, no. I'm not a fan. It's funny. I don't like guacamole, but I will eat uh, avocado on sushi. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, okay. You and your sushi, you're so I know, bougie. So I know it. I can't, can't help it. I was going to say, like, pork rinds and guacamole are good together. Really? Yeah. Pork rinds and cream cheese, good. Um, I, I did uh, pork rinds and uh, hot sauce today. Okay. I, I can live with that. Have you had the hot pork rinds? sell yes. the hot and spicy ones i love those yes. uh we actually have some around here that they call pork cracklings or pork crackling strips and they if you have to you have to look and make sure you get the right bag but it says spicy on it so okay. they've added some spices in there and it really does kick it you don't need to add anything else it's really yeah. good Just eat them by themselves yeah or uh you can get some chicken skins but considering i'm on a i've never heard diet, of chicken <laughs> yeah, they, they, it's like it's like pork cracklings, but it's chicken skins. Really? Yeah, that was a thing. It's really good until I haven't eaten any in quite a while because the bag I had, I might have been my second bag. I was, oh my god, these are so good, and it tastes like fried chicken skins. It's great. Oh, but the problem of it was is that in my second bag, I found a bone, and I'm like, nope, <gasps> no, uh-uh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it was not good. Pass. And I, I don't think I've eaten anything. Yeah, that would kind of turn me off, too. Oh, absolutely, in a heartbeat. We are now to the paranormal in cinema. These are some of the uh, reels from the big screen that gave us the feels. So the first one I'd like to talk about is, have you seen the movie Three Men and a Baby? Yes. Okay. For those of you that don't know, Back in the, what was it, 90s, early 90s when this movie came out? 89, 90? Yeah, somewhere around 93, early 90s, I'm thinking. Sounds about right. So there was a scene that was going around and it was being talked about. And in this scene, you see see Tony Danza and I think uh, either his mother or one of the other guys in the movie, their mother and... Everybody kept saying that there was a little boy that you could see in the window behind where the scene is taking place. Uh, now, there were stories going on that uh, there was a little boy and his family had used to live there before the movie was shot. And the little boy fell out a window and he died and so on and so forth. Yada, yada, yada. A lot of urban legends surrounding this. But right. what actually turned out to be 
it was a cardboard cutout of Tony Danza. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> Tony Danza himself. When was he it was, Tony Danza or Ted Danson? So, yeah, I said Tony Danza, but is it Ted Danson? I think it's, it's Ted, Ted Danson. Danson. Yeah, you were talking about Tony Danza. I'm like, I didn't think he was in Three Men and Baby, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I thought maybe he is, or maybe it's another Mandela effect thing. I think I, I actually looked it up, but it's, it's yes, it's Ted Damn Danson. <laughs> this is, I just thought that was a great lead off, and I've got a couple of more, a couple more here, but we're going to get into some serious stuff later on. It's just really reminiscent of that kind of stuff that kind of led me to this. Um, and back when, you know, those used to be a bigger deal, you know, you would hear people talking about that, like, have you seen, have you rented the video? Have you seen this? And just <laughs> running it back, running it back, and watching it. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's crazy. It was a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson, but people are automatically jumping to, oh, this child fell out the window and died. Like, really? Yeah, I actually heard the whole story that his mother, the, you know, the kid's mom had actually called the producers of the movie and said, you guys shot in my old, vi- in my old, uh, in my old town, you know, in my old apartment yeah. or whatever. And I see my child in the movie, in the window and oh. da, 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 da. Uh, but actually turns out, and that was a myth I actually believed for years. Right. Uh, you know, much like Phil Collins in the air tonight and how he, you know, he wouldn't. Literally <laughs> witness someone drowning and, yes. and not lend a hand. Exactly. Um, the next one is one of my favorites. Uh, now, this one, I don't know if I should chalk it up to Mandela or re-editing. And, of course, I'm talking about... The Wizard of Oz. Do you know the scene that I'm referring to? I think I do. What's that? Which part is it with the, um, what are they called? The munchkins? Uh, no, not the munchkins. Or is it the monkeys? Uh, no. Okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, we're thinking about yeah, different yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah okay. we're talking about two different scenes. Okay. The one I'm referring to uh, is actually you know, probably about a good quarter of the way through the film where they actually meet up with the Tin Man. And after this scene here, uh, because of course the Tin Man along with the Scarecrow and Dorothy were attacked by the witch. After they were attacked by the witch in that scene, they be of course get to doing their whole uh, song and dance number and the next thing you know, they're walking away. Well, as this scene takes place in the background, if you look in the background of this shot, there appears to be a hanging munchkin. Now, yeah, that's what story- I was thinking about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Well, then I apologize. I must have no, been. It's okay. Thinking well, about now I'm wondering else. what what scene are you referring to? <laughs> well, Maybe there's another weird that- one. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you said the Munchkins, I was thinking, okay, well, no, it's not the scene with the Munchkins, but it was an actor who actually played in okay. one of the Munchkins, and he, they said, supposedly he hung himself in the background of this shot. Yeah. Uh, I didn't remember which scene it was, but I had remembered hearing about the Munchkin supposedly right. seen hanging in the background of, of the movie. Now, here's the weird part about it. I know good and well that I've actually seen that scene with what appears to be a munchkin hanging in the background. But upon rewatching this, you will now find it is a bird that is uh, opening its wings. Uh, 
So, my question is, is this like the Shazam movie and they've covered <laughs> it up? Or is this Mandela effect? Uh, because okay. if you look hard enough, I'm pretty sure you can find the scene with the munchkin hanging there. Okay, but again, it goes back to manufactured memories and whatnot. Were you looking for that hanging munchkin when you watched it originally? And you're like, oh yeah, there's the hanging munchkin. And then you watch it again later on and you're like, no, that's a bird. You know, this is, is, very it re- true. is it re-editing or is it the same cut, but you're looking for something different now? Very true. And you're seeing what you want to see. I'm not Could accusing be, you of anything. I, no, I'm no, just, I, I'm just I bringing that up. Yeah. I understand. I understand. It, it's just very weird. Um, it is. Now I want to get on YouTube and look for <laughs> the scene. <laughs> But it could very well be like Shazam and there are old VHS tapes just hidden away. It very well could be. The munchkin hanging, but now it's replaced with. All right. So this one actually says hanging munchkin found on VHS tape. And (laughs) we'll get to this in a second. But my next thing about the Wizard of Oz, since you brought it up, or I thought you were going to bring it up, but have you ever seen that the Scarecrow had a gun? No. Yes, really? yes. When they go to uh, disperse of the wicked witch of the west, now that is not a bird. You don't think? No. Is it a hanging munchkin? It looks like something hanging there. That is not. I. This is what I originally saw. But yeah, like I said, I'll tell you this much. Yeah, they. This person keeps zooming in on it, and it looks like something hanging back there. There is wonder, something hanging in there. Could it be a costume, or some other? It kind very of, well like, could prop be, or a curtain, or again, I'm the southern skeptic. I know. Comes to the Wizard of Oz, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have no idea. I mean, I can't make that call, but uh, now I have seen the actual I've seen the bird I know I've seen the bird okay because like it took it was one of those things I'm like yeah yeah that is somebody hanging because <laughs> at to begin with it looks like someone uh was like pulling on some rope or something and getting like going higher in the tree and then the next thing you know it looks like they swing out but the problem of it was is that it was an actual bird that kind of was bent over with his beak on the ground and the next thing you know he stands up he straight you know he kind of uh elongates himself a little bit to make himself a, seem a little bit taller and then the next thing you know his wings span out huh. and so it looks from that angle i guess maybe the coloring was off the whatever but from that angle it looks like something swinging from a tree but this right here is eerily creepy and I am going to share it with you. Thank you. I was about to ask you to do that. Yes. Um, I need to see this and make the decision for myself. <laughs> How the hell do you share anything <laughs> on YouTube anymore? Uh, uh, <laughs> heck if I know. Um, but while you're looking at that, the next part is when they go to dispatch the or disperse of the Wicked Witch of the West... It has changed now. 
that the Scarecrow has a silver gun, a silver revolver now. It's very weird stuff okay, happening in our time. Did you see this? Okay, hang on. Let me go back to it. What does it say? Is it, it says, um, It says YouTube.com slash user slash suicidal munchkin. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> okay. Let's, <laughs> yes, let's YouTube.com forward slash. Uh, uh, now, what it does say up underneath it, it says uh, this clip is a direct capture from a 1980s VHS tape of The Wizard of Oz bought as part of a video lot from a collector. Unlike the alleged digitally altered DVD version, uh, also screening on this channel, the sequence where Dorothy and the others enter the forest can be seen in its unedited version. Although the image is grainy and suffers from slight jittering, you can see in the background what can only be described as a hanging figure. There have been many attempts to debunk this urban myth, but here, for the first time, is what appears to be evidence to the contrary. Okay. This is super, super, super noticeable. If it was someone hanging there, I agree. they wouldn't have kept that in the shot. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, here's my thinking of it. Uh, do you realize how many uh, people have, like, even crews and whole set pieces and uh, people who have been caught during the filming of a of a movie? Like they're not intended, yeah. they're not supposed to be there, but they end up being well, there. Well, true. I mean, there are a lot of bloopers yeah. and a lot of you know little errors in movies, but this would—that's kind of a big deal. All right. So, just for example, <laughs> and you know, just talking movies here for a second. But for example, but the new movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence on Netflix called "Don't Look Up." Uh, there is actually a one eight hundred number that appears sometime during this movie. Do not waste your time with this movie to begin with because okay. I, I, I will save you some trouble. Okay. Uh, second of good all, I was actually going to ask if it was any good, but now I won't even bother. No, nah, I didn't like it. Now, there okay. is a lot of people saying, I have not done it myself, but there's a lot of people saying that this number that is on this Netflix show that is like put on the screen in front of your face, this number is a 1 800 number. You call it and it is leads to a phone sex hotline. Well, I won't call it then. Yeah. Is it like, is that legit? It actually is a phone sex hotline? From what I'm seeing on TikTok, it is. Really? Why would yeah. they do that? I have no idea. No oh. idea. So, sorry if I'm sounding distracted. I have been watching this video for the past two minutes and 37 seconds. Okay. And it, when it gets to about four times magnification, it really does start to get a little bit creepier. Right, and let me see more. It, oh, does wow. like, it does look oh, like it does look like hanging. Yeah, and they slow it down, but I don't know. I mean, surely it's not a hanging munchkin. But what is it? You're right. What is it? And like, it doesn't look anything like a bird to me. I mean, but here's the thing: at that time of you know, do you really think that people are going to come out and tell you, "Hey, uh, we accidentally shot a dead guy in the movie." Uh, that would be unprecedented in that time, you know, and given the like amount of money that they've spent on this month, this movie, yeah. even back then, it's a lot yeah. of money. And so they were like, uh, don't tell nobody. Uh, now, could so, it be a prop for like the flying monkeys or even the witch? I have no idea. No idea. Okay. 
I, I, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you, though. It, I mean, I don't know what it is, but it looks creepy as hell. Yeah, and I think when you start looking at it in that context and they start slowing the video down and they magnify it, that's when it starts to get pretty spooky. Oh, um, absolutely. That, that's what you're looking for. You're like, is that a munchkin? <laughs> By golly, it might be. Okay, now huh. I am about that's to creepy. actually send you another. Love getting mail. All right, so I just sent you another one, and this was another talking point I had today, and I'll let you listen to that one because this one gets even weirder, gets even creepier. Um, but before we get to that one, I'm going to give you time to receive that. And uh, okay. one other thing I, I want to talk about with The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Is now, I did the, get it. You let me know when to open it, but <laughs> we'll go with The Wizard of Oz first. We'll finish okay. up with The Wiz. Uh, Dark Side of the Rainbow. Oh, is that when you put the... Uh, the Pink Floyd album. On yes. As, have you I've ever done, done it? I've never done it. No, but I want you to. You should totally do it. Have you done it? I have. Years ago. It's been years before since I've done it, but I have done it. And the the coincidences that happen between the music and the movie is just, I'm like, wow. It's crazy. Really like, cool. even to the point where, I can't remember the name of the song that plays, but the Munchkins, when they all get to dancing and jumping and hollering around, it's like the music kicks up. And it looks like all these munchkins are in a big old mosh pit. Oh, wow. Like they're in tune with the music or whatever. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That is cool. I've wanted to do that for a long time. I just never have. Yeah, totally, totally worth it. I, I suggest that if you haven't, go check it out. Okay. All right, so on to the video I just sent you. Okay. Does the Disney movie Aladdin contain a subliminal message? Let's find out. Now for those listening at home. Um, there is a scene in the cartoon version of Aladdin and it's where Aladdin himself is dressed up like Prince, uh, well, Prince Ali or whatever his name is. Uh, but the genie and, uh, the carpet and Abu, they're trying to, uh, you know, trying to help him win over Princess Jasmine. Now in this scene, uh, Raja, Jasmine's uh, overprotective tiger, is actually approaching him. Now, it's at this time where they do kind of a cutaway from Aladdin because he's being approached by Raja. And in this scene, you can actually hear, even though it's showing the genie and the carpet, like they're having a conversation, you can actually hear what appears to sound like are you done watching it okay so i watched it and i need to watch it again because i was trying to listen to you and listen to the clip at the i'm same sorry time. i'm sorry no I no no I you're good know you could hear me but i would not have heard that without it telling me that that's what it said no that's not what it says <laughs> oh what my gosh say? that is a stretch i don't know what he's saying but it is not quote good teenagers take off their clothes <laughs> I'm telling you though. I, okay, I'm just. I agree. It is a bit of a stretch, but I don't know what else. It does sound to me like if you really pay attention, good teenagers take off your clothes. You know, I if you are listening for that, like it tells you in the caption to listen for it, you can hear it. But if you're not listening for that, you can't hear it. Much like the Beatles' White Album, you don't hear "Turn Me On, Dead Men" unless you're listening. Turn Me On, Dead Men. <laughs> Turn me on, dead man. I think that I have seen this before or heard this myth. 
um, kind of in the yeah. same circles. And I don't know if you're gonna we're gonna bring it up. The uh, was it the Little Mermaid VHS cover? Uh, what are we referring to? That looked the like Little a Mermaid. Uh, I think that was a uh, Aladdin. Where was it the, Aladdin? With the palace. Mm. Palace penis. <laughs> I thought it was Little Mermaid. Hang on, I'm gonna yeah. get. I'm going to Google something that I probably shouldn't Google. And Okay. Ugh, I don't know if I should do this. I was going to Google Little Mermaid penis, but I don't. Yeah, don't do I that. Don't know if, Little Mermaid VHS cover. Okay, there it is. Yeah. Band cover. Yes, it was the Little Mermaid. Really? Yeah. All right. Let me take a look. There's a Snopes article about it titled... Um, Oh, yes, yes. Okay, yes. I have seen this. I thought, well, I was right. It is on the palace. but it's Yes, just on the palace, but it's yeah, for the yeah. Little Mermaid. Yes. Okay, yes. Totally seen this before. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, if you look at the original Little Mermaid uh, cover, and you can see Triton's Gold Palace in the background, and some of the minuets in the background <laughs> look like... Uh, penises yeah well the snopes article is was a phallus purposely added to the artwork yes. for the little mermaid vhs cover and let me see wow. if they say if it's truth or fiction no <laughs> they say false it is not a penis so there y'all go okay regardless if it's not it looks that way <laughs> it looks that you way. know i remember there was a vhs that came out in 90 sometime because i remember listening <laughs> listening out for it because i was like i gotta hear this uh, but it was Barney's Great Adventure. Okay. We all, you know, the purple dinosaur, we all know and love Barney. Of uh, course. But a mother uh, had went out to Walmart, purchased this movie for their child, brought it back home, and was in the kitchen. And she heard Barney, please excuse my language, say, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Why would Barney say that? What he says is, oh, what fun. (laughs) How you misinterpret that, I do not know. Uh, But yeah, I don't know what her ears were listening for, but yeah, they were two different wavelengths. If you go back and listen to it, it doesn't sound anything remotely like that. Just thought I'd bring that up. It kind of goes back to the the misheard lyrics, you know, people sing the wrong lyrics forever, just because that's the one way they heard it. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what was on her mind, but... No idea. I don't know. All right. So those were just some fun little things that, you know, whether they're real or not, they're fun to talk about. And so I just thought I'd bring them up. Yeah. Well, that was a good uh, blast from the past for me because I used to be super into that kind of stuff. You know, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, before there was... Before some of this stuff could be disproven. um, Yeah. You know, all these little urban myths and whatever. I love them. That's awesome. Yeah, I love those two. So the first movie that we're going to talk about is The Exorcist. It has been dubbed one of the scariest movies of all time. The Exorcist has earned its medal and for good reason. But just wait till you hear what occurred off screen. Now, part of the set where the movie was filmed went up in flames. The entire McNeil household, except for the bedroom where the infamous exorcism took place, had to be rebuilt after the fire's damages. So after the fire, a number of crew members were afraid to continue shooting. 
believing that some sort of demon was on the loose. A real priest was brought in to bless and exorcise the home. Now, after filming wrapped, but before its theatrical release, eight deaths were said to be associated with its production. Eight? Eight deaths. Now, if all not that related was, to the fire. <laughs> yeah, not related to the fire. Now, if all that wasn't enough, across the street from the movie set was a church. And in this church was a cross hanging on the wall. It's been reported that lightning struck this cross, and many people believe it's due to the movie's production. Really? Yes. So that was some spooky stuff. Um, if you recall in the movie The Exorcist, you know, like I said, it's been dubbed one of the scariest movies of all times. But if you recall in the movie, uh, we have a young Linda Blair who plays Reagan McNeil. And it's in her house uh, where they shot this that uh, this fire took place. And a majority of the inside of the home had to be rebuilt and reconstructed. Uh, but, of course, the one place that it didn't occur was in the bedroom where the exorcism actually takes place so very strange stuff indeed that is uh, yeah it is i haven't seen the exorcist in so long i need to rewatch it yeah i don't need to think about that <laughs> <laughs> no more exorcist for you um i'm good with watching it um i do think it's disturbing to an extent um I do, th but on the same hand, I think a lot of people take what is being shown out of context uh, versus other than just a scary movie. True. That's my and personal they opinion. came out at a time where, you know, now we're kind of jaded to stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, scary movies, movies about exorcisms, whatever. That was a trailblazer, you know, oh, in yeah. the 70s when it came out. There was nothing else like it. Satanic panic. Yeah, so it, I think it had a lot bigger effect back then than what it would have now, for sure. Oh, I agree. So the next movie we're going to talk about is Poltergeist. Yeah. Uh, now, this uh, this was another groundbreaking film in the horror genre. Uh, now, during filming, it was reported that Oliver Robbins, who played the brother, I think his name was Robbie in the film, he nearly died when he was choked by the arms of the evil puppet. And I think that was in the original one. Uh, Steven Spielberg, who directed the first one, actually had to be the one to step in to save the young man from harm. Uh, oh. Yeah. Really weird stuff uh, happening around here. So now two actresses, Heather O'Rourke, who played Carol Ann in the film, she actually died after filming Poltergeist 3, while Dominic Dunn, who played Dana in the first film, was actually strangled by an ex-boyfriend. And that story goes as follows. According to Wikipedia, Dunn met John Thomas Sweeney at a party in 1981. After a few weeks of dating, they moved into a one-bedroom house together in West Hollywood. Due to Sweeney's jealousy and possessiveness, however, the relationship quickly deteriorated. The couple fought frequently, and Sweeney began physically abusing Dunn. According to one account by The Roots, uh, I'm sorry, according to one account during an argument on August 27th, 1982, he yanked handfuls of her hair out by The Roots. 
Dunn fled to her mother's house where Sweeney showed up and began to bang on the door and windows, demanding to be let in. Dunn's mother told him to leave and threatened to call the police. A few days later, Dunn returned to the home she shared with Sweeney, and the two resumed their relationship. Now, during another argument at their home on September 26, 1982, Sweeney grabbed Dunn by the throat, threw her on the floor, and began to strangle her. A friend who was staying with the couple at the time heard loud gagging sounds and ran into the room where Dunn was being physically attacked. Dunn told the friend that Sweeney had tried to kill her, but Sweeney denied the claim and requested Dunn to come back to bed. She pretended she was going to comply, but snuck out of the bathroom window instead. When Sweeney heard Dunn start the car of her car, start the engine of her car, when Sweeney heard Dunn start the engine of her car, he ran out and jumped on the hood of the car. Dunn stopped the car long enough for Sweeney to jump off the hood and then drove away. For the next few days, she stayed with her mother and at the homes of friends. She later called Sweeney and ended the relationship. After he moved out, she had the locks changed and moved back into the home. On October 30th, 1982, a few weeks after Sweeney and Dunn broke up, Dunn was at her West Hollywood home rehearsing for the miniseries V with actor David Packer. Now, while she was speaking to a female friend on the phone, Sweeney had the operator break into the conversation. Dunn told her friend, oh God, it's Sweeney. Let me get him off the phone. Ten minutes later, however, Sweeney showed up at Dunn's home. After speaking to him through the locked door, Dunn agreed to speak to him on the porch, while Packer remained inside. Outside, the two began to argue. Packer later said he heard smacking sounds, two screams, and a thud. Concerned, he called the police, but he was informed that Dunn's home was out of their jurisdiction. I'd be so mad. I'd be mad as hell if I called the police and said, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, we can't help you. Oh, You're out of our jurisdiction. Oh, too bad, so sad. Sorry. Yeah, for real. Wow. Well, then don't bitch when I kill the mf But anyway... <laughs> Uh, Packer then phoned a friend and told him if he was found dead, John Sweeney was his killer. Packer left the home through the back entrance, approached the driveway, and saw Sweeney in some nearby bushes, kneeling over Dunn. Sweeney told Packer to call the police. When police arrived, well, now he's calling the police? So when police arrived, Sweeney met them in the driveway with his hands in the air and stated, I killed my girlfriend and I tried to kill myself. Sweeney later testified that he and Dunn had argued, but he could not remember what happened after their exchange. He claimed he could only recall being on top of her with his hands around her neck. Dunn was transported to Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, where she was placed on life support. She never regained consciousness. Over the following days, doctors performed brain scans, which revealed that due to oxygen deprivation, she had no brain activity. On November 4th, her parents consented to have her removed from life support. On November 7th, Sweeney was sentenced to six years in prison for manslaughter, which was the maximum sentence he could have received, with an additional six months for an assault charge. Now, not to go too much further into this story, but what I also read was 
during the trial, you know, initially he was being held for, he was being charged with murder, first degree murder. But the problem was, yeah, I agree. In my but opinion. At that point, uh, because she was brain dead at that point and her parents were the one to make the decision to pull her off of uh, life support, they could not charge him with murder at that point. Oh, um, okay. According to the judicial yes. system. Okay, whatever. Yeah, according to that. But the problem of it was, was that they actually, um, I think that's what it was. I think it was first degree murder, but I think they were trying to go for a different murder charge. And to paint a bad picture of him, they actually called in a lot of ex-girlfriends and friends that people that knew him and like painted a very nasty picture of this guy. And the judge completely threw it out saying it was uh, prejudicial and it just didn't make any sense to me. So the judge kind of like got called out about that. And a lot of people did not agree with his Statement. So when the jury actually came with their verdict, uh, they said that, you know, this is this is what we we, we've came to, which is, of course, uh, manslaughter. And it was at that point the judge kind of jumped on the jury and said, shame on you for not giving him, uh, you know, such and such a charge. And they were like, well, you withheld evidence from us. You wouldn't admit it. So why would we, you know, so it was just it was a big to do. And uh, they did what they mentioned, could with evidence they had. Exactly. Like. And uh, not to mention at the end, the big pool scene at the end of the very first poltergeist, real human cadavers and skeletons were used in that pool scene at the end uh-uh. of the movie. Yeah. No. Are you yeah. serious? Dead serious. What? Yeah. Ow, why? You didn't know that? No. I, think they, I can't remember. They got them from somewhere local nearby from wherever they were filming at. Like but, one of those body yeah. farms or something? I don't know. <laughs> that, oh, that's creepy. Yeah. So when she was in there with the, when she had slipped into the pool with the skeletons, those were real skeletons. That was like her real reaction. Uh-uh. No. Yeah. Wow. No, thanks. Cinema For some dark. reason, that just disturbs me more than anything else. <laughs> but that um, whole thing, like, now, that's, that's horrible. Isn't it? That's crazy. Um, I just, you know, once again, you know, you hear all this different stuff about all this weird happening on film sets. Yeah. All right. So now we move on to, of course, one of my favorite franchises, which is The Conjuring Universe. And we start with The Conjuring itself, which was released in 2013 and is based on the real life haunting of the Perrin family. Now, for actress Vera Farmia, who plays Lorraine Warren in the film, reported she felt very uneasy about taking the job and even filming the movie. So, fearing it would bring a negative presence inside her home, Vera even refused to bring the script inside her house. However, one night she opened her laptop and noticed three slashes across the screen without any explanation. Very creepy. That is creepy. I wonder what I would do in that situation. Because, I mean, we've talked about it before. I'm not necessarily a believer in ghosts. But I I am a believer in the demonic and satanic whatever. Um, I don't know how I would feel about being involved in a project like that. If I would, you know, just think it's harmless. It's just, you know, you're acting. It's pretend. It's make-believe. Or if I would think, you know, this could be 
this could get out of hand. This could get kind of kind of sketchy. Oh, uh, I, I need agree. To be careful. I don't know what I'd do. Oh yeah, that that I mean, it's spooky. I mean, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that things like that exist. So, sometime during filming, the Perrin family visited the set. Now, some of the crew noted that a strange gust of wind seemed to follow the Perrin family wherever they went. After their visit to the set, Carolyn Perrin even noted that she was pushed to the ground after returning home. She felt that something from set had come home with her. I disagree with that. I think you brought something to sit. I think you brought yeah, it to sit and then you just brought it back to the house. And then you just took it back home with you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you were the one that was haunted. Hello. <laughs> Bingo. Alrighty. Am I the drama? The, okay, so the next one is The Nun, uh, which I don't think is too scary in my personal opinion, but my daughter absolutely is terrified of it. But I don't remember if I've actually seen The Nun. I mean, I know, I know what it is. I mean, from the other Conjuring movies. Right. If I've seen it, it must have just been really forgettable for me. Um, it it could have been. I feel like maybe I did watch it, but I, I don't have any recollection of it. It does tie into the other movies, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth a watch, uh, but it it's not as scary as some of the other ones. But, I mean, it, it's a good, it's fairly decent storytelling. Okay. I'll check it out. All right, so while filming a sequence in a narrow hallway of the real-life Romanian castle, director Corin Hardy recounts stepping into a side room to allow a camera to pass. When he entered the dark space, he saw two men sitting at the back of the room. He assumed the two were members of the crew. Corin remained in the room for one take and afterward turned to speak with the men but they were gone. Not to mention there was only one way in and one way out of the room where the men had been spotted. Hmm. So, yeah, anything in a Romanian castle is spooky. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of asking for it there. Oh, yeah. And finally, Annabelle. Ooh, you know, I would (laughs) say I liked the first Annabelle movie better than the first Conjuring movie. Okay, I, now I liked the first Conjuring better than Annabelle, but I like I like the second Conjuring better than the first. The second Conjuring was in London, right? Yes, that okay, was I liked, the. I did like uh, the second Conjuring better than the first Conjuring. I think it's the second one, Annabelle movie, which was Annabelle Creation. I thought that was actually fairly, you know, it was done quite well. Yeah, uh, is that the one in the, the first? Yeah, is that the one in the girls' orphanage? Uh yes. I did like that one. That one was good. Um, and then the third one kind of threw me for a whole new loop. I was just didn't like, uh, have, what am I watching? Yeah, didn't it have a different director or producer? I think it, it did. It had a different feel to it, and I wasn't as crazy about the third one. It was fine, but it didn't yeah. really do for me. Me either. Um, but during pre-production for Annabelle, director John R. Leonetti reported seeing and taking a picture of, quote, three fingers drawn through the dust along the window, backlit by the moon, end quote. It is to be noted that the demon in the movie also has three talon-like claws as well. Huh. So he saw, like, live these fingers supposedly going across the window or he just saw like he just yeah i guess 
I guess it was just like the dust print of three claws, three finger marks, or whatever. So you, you know, yeah, uh, it that's easy to you know dismiss. Yeah. So then producer Peter Safran uh, recounted the following to the Hollywood Reporter: "Quote: We shot in this amazing old apartment building near Koreatown, and we had some funky stuff go down." In particular, the first day that the demon was shooting in full makeup, we brought the demon up in the elevator. He walks out and walks around to the green room to where we're holding the talent. And just as he walks under, a giant glass light fixture is being followed by the actor playing the handyman of the building. And all of a sudden, the entire glass light fixture falls down on his head the janitor's oh, wow. head and in the script the demon kills the janitor in that hallway oh it was that's totally spooky. freaky yeah said it was totally freaking so yeah I can, I can, yeah that would that yeah. would freak me out yeah that was most definitely um now of course you've all seen the real annabelle the real annabelle looks nothing like what they show on the movie screen but that's the magic of the movies. They have to make it uh, more appealing to haunt your ever-loving dreams. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I've listened to some... I've actually... You can actually look it up on YouTube, so I'm not telling any stories here. But you can actually look up a lot of the audiobooks of Ed and Lorraine Warren on YouTube and give it a listen. Uh, some of it is downright chilling. I don't care if they were fake. They were a hell of a gifted talent. They were uh, storytellers at the moment. Oh, very yes. Point. Yes. They were. They. It was. It, it will give you chills. Yeah. Uh, the way everything was portrayed in there. It, it was It was really great. So, um, but yeah, if you, if you ever bored and you, you want something new to look forward to, go check that out. Go uh, listen to, go read some of their books because they got a, a pretty decent collection of um stories and collections that they've of their experiences um even on youtube so go check that out yeah. um but yeah these movies i love these movies and i absolutely love the way that in the rain or are portrayed in the films yeah, I um i know a lot of people don't you know call them fake or whatever i don't care if they are fake like i said uh i like them as people i'll put it that way yeah. um and i know they get a and, good portrayal in the movies um, yes. you know, the, this is going to sound really, really tacky, but the actors are very, very good looking. Ed and Lorraine themselves. The actors are very good looking. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, kind of like, a Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon and walk the line, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think they get a really good edit in the movies. You know, they're the 